Acts chapter 28. If you want to be turned there in your Bibles, we left off. The Apostle Paul has made it to Rome in spite of shipwrecks and all that's there. He's basically under house arrest. Now he's chained to a different Roman soldier each day. And we looked at how that would have given the Apostle Paul an opportunity to share the gospels with someone different every day. We look at the fact that that is the case with each one of our lives. We have different opportunities every day to share the gospel with different people. And we looked at the fact Wednesday night, we glanced at it again Sunday morning. We don't have to reach the world. We just have to reach the one. We just have to reach the one that God either sends or allows to be in front of us at a particular time. So Paul would have invested himself personally into these soldiers. There's not a doubt in my mind that the apostle Paul would have spent time witnessing with each of these soldiers, talking to them, talking about their lives with Paul's love that he has. He would have been concerned about them and about their well-being and he would have taken time to kind of build a relationship, I feel like, with each one so he might take opportunity to talk to each one personally about the love of Christ and about what Christ offers in the love of God, just like we would anybody that's lost today. But these guards did more than just talk with the Apostle Paul. They did more than just hear his testimony. They did more than just carry on a discussion. See, they heard every conversation that the Apostle Paul had. So just think for just a minute, even if, if Paul had not poured himself personally, individually into each one of these guards, think about what they gleaned from being around him. Because you know Paul spent all of his time talking about the goodness of God, the glory of God, the things of Christ. And so the guards just being around him would have seen his communication. They would have seen his level of prayer life. They would have seen his presence before God. They would have seen how he addressed other people and how he acted towards other people all throughout the day. Those things a lot of times are going to have a greater impact on people than anything you can say. Number one, if you're saying it and your words don't match your actions, then your words are a waste of breath. But sometimes you don't have to say anything. If you just live it, people around you are seeing it. If you just live it, people around you are hearing it. Matter of fact, the one you're talking to may not even be the one God's talking to. The one you're talking to about God, it may be the person sitting two tables over right here that's over here in the conversation, happen to hear something. Now they think they're really eavesdropping, but, but God's doing something in their life. Every minute of our life, if you claim to be a Christian, every minute of our life, it is of extreme importance that we maintain a Christian attitude. Because you never know who's looking, but you can rest assured somebody is. You never know who's listening, but we can always know that, that somebody is. So God can use our life to reach those that we're talking to, and we certainly should be. But God can use our life to reach people around that we don't even know he's reaching. God, God can do things through us at all times. And that's, that's Paul's situation here at Rome as he's got these guards around him. And we read verse 17 through 20 last week. And that kind of carried us over to the book of Romans. And we, we took that trip a little bit there at the end, Romans 9, 10, 11. And we looked at the promise, the promise of God towards the Jewish people. And that has a lot to do with what we'll look at tonight that carries on over. We looked at the fact in verse 17 that Paul never forgets the Jews. Paul never forgets his people. He said in verse 17, it came to pass after three days that Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, 
Though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Now, when Paul began his ministry, he went into the cities of the Jews. He went to his Jewish brethren, city after city, preaching the gospel, trying, you know, we saw that everywhere he went, the Jews beat him up and ran him out. Everywhere he went, there was nothing to do it. But he poured his heart out to the Jews until God sent him to the Gentiles. But even here at Rome, we see Paul hasn't lost his heart for his people. Paul, Paul still has a heart for the Jews. And the fact that he's in bonds makes no difference about his heart. The only difference is he can't go to them, so he sent word to them and said, you come to me. He has the elders of the Jews brought in. Now, Paul begins here with kind of a... Brief and, and very inconclusive explanation of his chains. Maybe a few reasons. For one, knowing the Sanhedrin the way that it does, he probably assumes that they've sent some word forward and they've spread their lies and they've told their things. So he doesn't really know what these Jews have heard. So he's kind of careful as to what he says on that perspective. The other is the Romans. You know, he does have the Roman guard. He's got to be careful somewhat what he says there. The Roman guard can misinterpret or misunderstand or misquote. He can go back and tell the Romans and maybe cause some problems. And Paul doesn't really have probably anything bad to say about the Romans right here because all honesty, if you remember back in chapter 22, Tertullus saved his life. If, if, if the chief captain of the guards hadn't come in and got him when the Jews had created the riot in the street and the mob, they would have killed Paul that day. So he had, even though they've mishandled his case and kept him falsely in prison for three years, he really still somewhat owes his life to that situation being arrested. <laughs> but but, but God, God used the Romans in that day. That's important we sit in our life. God used the Romans that day to pull him out of a mob to save his life. God has used the Romans to feed, shelter, and protect him for three years. We see him as a prisoner, but God's taking care of him because the Jews would have killed him at any given time. Amen? So God used the Jews to, to get him out of that mess. God used the Jews to feed him, take care. I mean, the Jews, I'm sorry. God used the Romans to, to get him out of that mess with the Jews. God used the Romans to, to, to house him for three years, feed him, take care of him. And, and then God used the Romans to get him to Rome, which was God's thing in the first place. As you preach at Jerusalem, so shall you preach at Rome. But yet the Romans aren't Christians. These aren't God's people. You see how God can use people to take care of you? They don't have to be Christians. God can use anybody to affect our life. God can use anybody to accomplish his purpose. God can use anybody out in the world to pay our bills. Everybody we work for and do things for it necessarily a child of God. So we see how God can, can use people. So, so Paul here in this, he could have had this conversation with the Jews in Hebrew, but then the Roman guard might have wondered, he's a Roman citizen. Obviously, he's saying things he don't want me to hear. So what, what we see is that Paul, Paul handles things very delicately. He, he's a little bit, I don't know, a bit of a predicament, if you will. But the truth is, Paul is pretty short-winded in this because Paul didn't come to Rome to talk about Paul. Paul came to Rome to talk about Jesus. That's his whole purpose why God sent him there. So he just, he needs to go ahead and briefly give an explanation of why he's in chains. Because if he doesn't, you know what the Jews are thinking. Why are you in chains? Why, why are you arrested? Why did you come here as a prisoner? And if Paul doesn't go ahead and answer the question, then the whole time he's talking, they're not listening to anything he's got to say. All they're saying is why are you in chains? 
They're just waiting to ask the question. They feel like he's dodging something. So he goes ahead and he, he doesn't go into the lies and the false accusations and all that the Sanhedrin did. He doesn't go into all the mistreatment that was there. He says, I have committed nothing against the people. Now, he could have gone into all of his rabbinical training. He could have told them how he was trained under the leadership of Gamaliel. He could have played stuff up, but none of that mattered. That's not why he's here. He says, I haven't done any of that. I, I, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, done anything to, against the customs of our people. Now that line is important to these Jewish leaders because they're, they're Jews of the law. They're people of the law. They're still bound up in the traditions of the law. But verse 18, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. Now he's not talking about Roman law. He's talking about accusations by the Jew. It is a fact that they could have proven anything against him. They would have had him killed. We already know from the story in our study, they were going to kill him anyway. They made up their own stories. They had their false accusations. They won't kill him anyway. But now because he got in this court system, they've got to prove that he was guilty. And there isn't, they couldn't find any proof because there isn't any. <coughs> they couldn't prove anything against him because there's no proof there. So even, even when Paul's case was brought before Agrippa, you remember we looked at it. Paul also doesn't speak of Agrippa even being there, which he could have. And it would have probably brought some credibility to a story. To, you know, Agrippa would have been highly viewed by the Jews, being a Jew, being a king. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and so he, he could have brought Agrippa into the equation and, and said, hey, you know, man, he, he came and he heard my case. But at the end of the day, he, he said that, that I was not guilty. He, he said that, that he couldn't find anything wrong. Matter of fact, he said if I wouldn't have appealed to Rome... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Anybody get in a little bit of hay stuff outside? Man, I finally made it get my grass cut after my back got better, and I've been paying for that ever since. I don't usually do that. I don't like to do that, but I kind of needed to. I don't want to stand up here and cough the rest of the time. But, but the reality is, even if he had told that, they would have still been talking about, well, if he said you're not guilty, why are you still in chains? So, so none of that really mattered <coughs> um so 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 paul paul paul, paul makes it clear I, i've had no accusations he leaves a lot unsaid he, he says when the jews spake against it i was constrained to appeal unto caesar not that i had ought to accuse my nation of so he says i'm, I'm not accusing my nation not i'm not accusing the sanhedrin i'm not accusing the jewish elders <coughs> i'm sorry y'all but but, but he, he answers a little bit briefly why in the change you can see really how Paul is guided by the Holy Spirit. Because he answers the question really without having to answer the question. He just kind of gives a brief little detail and he leaves a lot unsaid. But he says enough to say, now, let me tell you why I'm really here. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you. To see you and to speak with you. Because it is for the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. They don't know exactly what Paul means at first for the hope of Israel. They had to have liked the sound of that, the hope of Israel. But Paul's talking about the messianic hope. He's talking about the Messiah, the hope of Israel, the hope that the Jews have held on to since the delivering of the law, the promised one, the Messiah, the one that has to come. Paul's great message to the Jew is the Messiah has come. That, that is Paul's message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's trying to tell them it doesn't undermine the Jewish faith. It enhances it. 
It, it glorifies it. It is the fulfillment of it. The Messiah has come and I am an ambassador of that Messiah. That, that's my job. That's what I'm here to tell you. That is why I am in these bonds. It is my commitment to the hope of Israel that has led me to change. <clears throat> Verse number 21, it said, they said to him, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake uh, uh, any harm of thee. They said, we, we heard any of this. The, the Sanhedrin, they, they hadn't sent us letters from Jerusalem. We haven't heard any of this information prior to your arrival. I think that'd be a little encouraging to Paul to know that he doesn't have to offend all that, defend against all that garbage and all that stuff. You kind of wonder maybe one of two things. I, I, I was thinking about, I have two perspectives. <coughs> thinking one, maybe the Sanhedrin might have been a little intimidated by Paul. Had every reason to be with the power of the Holy Spirit on them and all they've seen. But if they send a letter to Rome and it gets to the Romans and the Romans find out that they started a riot in the streets and that they beat a Roman citizen, they got a lot of trouble coming. So to risk sending such a letter into Rome with that kind of stuff on it would have been challenging within itself. <clears throat> but I was... I was thinking about something else. I wonder if they did send a letter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just because they sent it don't mean it got there. See, we never know what God's doing behind the scene. I was thinking, I, I started wondering, you know, it'd be just like God, that they did send a letter to all the accusation. It was in one of those crates that got thrown overboard off that ill-fated ship. So we, we don't know if they didn't send anything or if God just took care of it. But what, what we know is he doesn't have to, <coughs> to answer any of that, that stuff here. They say, we don't know anything about what happened to you, but we desire to hear what thou thinkest for as concerning this sect. We know that everywhere it is spoken against. Now remember, that's their name for Christianity. They call it a, a sect. They're talking about the church of Jesus Christ. And they say, you know, we, we know Paul knows about this, this sect. They, they could profess ignorance against Paul's crime. They can profess ignorance against why Paul's in change. But they can't profess ignorance about the church. Because they know all about the church. And it's spoken of everywhere. And the, the, the Christian community there at Rome was the first Christian community to, to, to be um, founded outside of Palestine. Right after um, Pentecost, these, these Jews left and went to Rome and started a church there at the church at Rome. So <clears throat> this is one of the first uh, establishments. There's been a lot of dissension at Rome. There's been a lot of disorder between the, the Christian Jews and the non-Christian Jews. Matter of fact, about 10 years before Paul got there, dissension was so bad that Claudius had many Jews expelled from Rome because of the riots in the street, because of the things that were created. So these Jewish leaders, they know all about Christians. They know about the presence of the Christians, but they're, I don't know, maybe somewhat politely asking whether sincere or not, I don't really know, but they're, they're asking what is Paul's opinion of this people that they call a sect? They said, what do you think? What's your opinion of these, these people? But they make their opinion known at the end of the sentence that everywhere is spoken against. Notice how they put that in. Everybody's against it. 
We don't know what you think, but, you know, everybody's talking against it. it, it it's, it's a bad thing. But we want to know what you, isn't that, isn't that just like people? That, it's the same. It's the same. They, pe people are going to go somewhere. They find one or two to agree with them. <clears throat> when they find one or two to agree, they're going to go around and dip, 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 dip. everybody, everybody said, dip, dip. everybody said, nobody likes it. Dip, dip, dip. Can, can, I, can I plug in a little piece of advice that I learned as chairman of the deacons of this church several years ago? If you don't put them in their place and stop it, then you agree with them. Now, I'm telling you, if they come to you in their complaint and their garbage and you just, mm -hmm, and you like, you're listening to you going, then when you go on, well, I was talking to Donald and, and he agrees and we did No, we didn't. But if you didn't make it known, if you didn't stop their complaint, if you didn't let them know, I don't agree with that thought. And if you, if you didn't let them know that you're sowing discord among the brethren, you're putting yourself in a bad spot, then you become part of their little everybody, right? And that's kind of what you see. That's not a new thing. That's people. That's the nature of people. You see it in the Jews. Well, everybody says it. Everybody's against it. So they, they, they tell Paul, they want to hear his take on this. They, they, they want to hear what you got to say, but, but they make their opinions known by calling it a sect. By calling it a sect, that means to them it was the same thing as heresy. They're, they're making it clear that to them it is a reproach and everywhere it's spoken against. <clears throat> what we see that... In, in the text, as long as Paul was speaking about the chains, as long as Paul was speaking about his arrest, as long as Paul was speaking about those things, they never interrupted. They, they just sat and listened as he talked about chains. But the minute he got to the main point, the minute he got to the hope of Israel, the minute he got to Jesus Christ, the minute he got to the reason he was at Rome, now they said, <clears throat> let me just interrupt you right there just a minute before you go any further. We, we don't know anything about what you're talking about, uh, about why you're a prisoner. We don't know any of that. But you might want to know where we stand on this, on this Jesus fellow. You might want to know. Now, now we're, we're going we're to let you speak. We, we want to know more about what you have to say, but you need to understand our position on it. See, it's just like the world. You can talk about anything you want with them. And as long as you're talking, they're listening, they're active participants, they're fine. But the minute you get to the main thing, the minute you get to Jesus, the minute you get to the one thing that changed my life like nothing ever had or ever could, well, man, I got to go. Had a good time chatting. Hope you have a nice day. Isn't it amazing how when you try to tell them the best part of their life, that's the part they don't want to hear. That's <coughs> what we see in these guys right here. They've, they've not heard anything, but now they get to that. They're like, we've heard a lot about this, and everybody is against it. Just before you open your mouth, everybody's against it, including all of us elders, us Jewish leaders. Now, you were saying what? Verse 23 says that they, they set up a meeting time. Except a time when they could bring more with them um, based on the text that when they had appointed a day, there came many into his lodging. So the apostle Paul's house is full. They, they've gone out. They've told people about this and people have heard. I'm sure there's a lot of anxious people that want to hear this. I'm sure there's a lot of anxious Christians that want to gather around Paul. Some of them right now may be sitting back waiting to let the dust settle a little bit. 
Because they see all the Jews gathered around them. They know that these Jews are the ones that punish Christians. They're still the ones that are out to get them. So I don't know. I don't know that the church really turns out a lot here. It doesn't say. But one thing we know is you've got a house full of people because they set up a day. We're going to come back. And we're going to get your take on this Jesus. We're going to find out what you think about this sect, about this, this heresy. We're, we're going to come back. And it says they came into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. I imagine Paul had a lot to say, wouldn't you? You know, we've seen Paul's testimony shared several times here in the last part of Romans. Uh, or last part of the book of Acts, before, before going to Rome. We, we've seen his testimony shared by him. We've seen it shared by Luke. Luke wrote about it. It wasn't part of what Paul said, but I, I'm sure that got shared again right here. Luke apparently just didn't choose to write it again, but he said something because he talked about Jesus all day long. They got there that morning, and he said, while well, I got your attention, I'm going to keep you. See, I got some folks, I might have some folks may not be back Sunday because we didn't get out of there probably about 12, 20 Sunday. We might have talked a little bit long, but I didn't talk as long as Paul. I mean, we got here at 1030 and we was out by 12, 20 and ate lunch. It don't say nothing about no eating. He says, well, I got you in the house. You came early and you're going to stay late. But I'm going to tell you about Jesus. See, he took full advantage of the time that he had. Paul knew his purpose for being at Rome was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those at Rome. And his first heart is to the Jew. You, you understand this isn't king of Rome. This isn't Caesar. This isn't about the guards. This isn't about the, the Roman citizen, the Gentile. This is back to where his roots started. This is about the Jew. I've called the Jew in. I've got a house full of Jews. I'm trying to reach my people first. Paul knows his day's coming that he's going to preach to the king. He knows he's going to talk to all the authority of Rome. But right now, his concern is about the Jews. And he brings them all in. And he talks to them all day long. He expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Some believe the things which are spoken, some believe not. See, that just shows it doesn't matter who's presenting the gospel. It doesn't matter how strong the Spirit of God is on them. It doesn't matter how much the Holy Spirit anoints them and uses them. There's some people going to turn away. There, there's some people that, that just aren't going to yield. There, there's some people, may, and maybe, maybe they will later. Maybe there'll be another day. Maybe, we don't know, maybe there's a lot of seed planted right here by the Apostle Paul that gets watered later on. And eventually some of those do come to full fruition and there is some fruit of this labor. But what we know is at this point is that some people heard one of the most godly men that ever walked talk about Jesus Christ and expound. This is a very knowledgeable guy. He's telling them what they know and probably more than they knew because he's a very well-trained rabbi. So he's talking about the law of Moses and all the things. He's probably telling some things that they're like, man, I didn't even know that. He's, he's bringing the whole law and he brings everything that you believed and everything that was there and everything that was prophesied, everything that the Old Testament spoke of, everything that the law and the prophets wrote, it all pointed to one man, his name's Jesus. Everything that you believed is right, it's true, it's correct. And it has come to pass in this one man, Jesus. He didn't destroy your law, he fulfilled your law. He didn't mess up your religion, he created your religion. 
He, he didn't just come. He fulfilled a purpose. And you're the reason he came. He spent all day telling them. And it says that some believed not. I don't know. You kind of get a feeling those Jews, when they didn't, when they didn't address Paul that first day, that there's so much there that we're not told. You know, we're told a lot of things in it, but this, this last few right here in this whole set, there's, there's so much we're not told. You can dig and get all kind of opinions and all kind of perspectives and theologians and scholars' opinions, but there, there's just a lot of unspoken stuff in this right here. Like, he didn't cover very well why he was arrested, and he talked all day long. Luke don't tell us what he, well, we know what he talked about. I mean, we, we, we know the things that he talked about, what he expounded. But you wonder, why, why did the Jews, why did the elders, when they were there the first time, need to leave and set a time and come back? Going to take a while. Yeah, I, I don't know. Were, were they caught off guard? Did, did Paul say something that, that caught them off guard? Did it? I kind of wonder, did they think, they, they said that everybody's against it, right? You know what we just looked at? That's what they said, everybody's against it. I kind of wonder to myself, if they're thinking everybody's against it, and we're going to go get a house full of everybody's, you got to know they invited people that believed what they believed. You got to know God brought people that didn't. But you, you know, they didn't go to the church at Rome to gather Christians to come to this meeting. Anybody agree with that? They went to get who they spoke of. Everybody's against it. They went to the synagogue, to the people that tore down Christians, to the people that didn't believe in Christianity, to the people that didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They went to get as many of them as they could. This, this, is, this ain't nothing but yanceology garbage. I just was wondering, why did they need to leave and come back? And here was the thought. If they could get his house full of people and show him how wrong he was, and they could intimidate him. Obviously, they don't know Paul. They could intimidate him with a house full of people that are against you. A house full of people. Don't you see all of these Jews? There's not even room to stand in your house. There's people listening in the windows because they can't get inside. It's packed full of people that are against you. Don't you see you're wrong? If they could have gotten the Apostle Paul to have backed down, it would have changed the course of this book. It would have changed the course of humanity. If they, you, you got to know the devil knows that, right? So the devil, I, I just, I just feel like the devil might have known that his few Jewish elders were outnumbered by God's one man. And so he needed to buy some time to gather up a whole bunch of his to come in here. But it didn't matter how many of the devil's saints he could bring in. One of God's chosen Stand on that book and waver not, change the environment. And because of that, on that day, some of those Jewish elders that they brought in to be their witnesses got saved, walked in against Paul, walked out in the family of Paul through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what our situation is. 
You always got to stand with the book. Doesn't matter who stands before you. Doesn't matter what comes against you. You always got to stand with the book. I have no doubt they, they came with both barrels loaded. They came with full opposition. But I believe Paul was fully prayed up. Because he was prayed up, he was ready for the challenge. And because he was prayed up and ready for the challenge, we don't know how many, but we know some of them believed. Amen? Well, Lord willing, we'll pick up right there. I hear some fireworks. I guess that's what that is. Either that or something fell back there. Somebody wrecked, wrecked in the parking lot. Something's booming off back that way. But I suspect that means the children are about to get cut loose. And since I worked our children's workers 20 minutes overtime Sunday, probably don't need to do that tonight. Or I might have to keep myself next Sunday. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for this book. Thank you, God, that, Lord, we can just get lost in studying. God, there's so much there that's for our good and for our benefit and for our teaching and for our strength and for our encouragement, for our joy, for our happiness, God. There's just so much in this book. Thank you for it, God. Lord, thank you, God, for, Lord, for every family represented in this place. God, I pray you go before them as we go out. I pray a hedge of protection about them. God, I pray you'd use each one of us, Father, to bring glory and honor to you that souls might be saved. God, use our lives a living testimony. Strengthen us, God, that we might be faithful to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.